1: if you're working there and a private was to walk up to a proof of bed and said you guys have to do this yeah, yeah right they wouldn't move because the private said it but if the private came in authority of the captain and said captain Suss sus says we have to do this well then there's power behind that authority there's power behind that message we're walking and we're proceeding in the name of jesus christ the most powerful thing i know more powerful than anything other thing in the world. His word gives life. His word created the earth. His word created us.
0: We generally care about good leadership. We tend to be lost and directionless in the absence of a leader. As Christians, we have all been called for a specific purpose, but we frequently get lost along the way. Do you know who you can trust? Pastor Dave tells you today how Jesus leads and guides you in every step of the way. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he begins his message the great commission in action you are a sure hope.
1: the title of today's message is the great commission in action the great commission in action the great commission is one of the most significant passages in all scripture and to many they believe it it is the passage above all passages for in the great commission we are instructed by Jesus personally we were personally instructed to go forth and multiply, to go forth and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're told to go teach them. And as he talked to his disciples that day, he made it clear that not only were his disciples to go forth, but that anyone else that would follow after, would also be given that command to go forth. So that's why it's such a treasure, and we look at it. And it can be found in two places, and it's interesting that we're going through the harmonies because by going through the harmonies of the gospel, we can take the scriptures, the gospel messages, and we can put them together, and we can get a comprehensive view of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, and his entire ministry, and we can get a good view. So if we look where the... um, Great Commission is, you don't have to turn near it. The first one is in Matthew 28. Three verses of Matthew 28 at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew declares that Jesus said this in verse 18 of chapter 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark tells the same story, slightly different Jesus' words, so it's important that we look at it in Mark 16. Beginning in verse 15, he records Jesus' words as this, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Wow, great words, mighty words of Jesus as he gives us the command. I see several things about this. I'm going to relate the Great Commission to our study today. I will get to that. But let's look at the Great Commission first. And the first thing I see is that Jesus sends us out. He sends us forth with a command to go. And it's interesting because in Matthew 28, 19, and in Mark 16, 15, the word go here is a participle. And it basically means in the Greek, as you are going. In other words, don't wait until you get to the place where you're going, but as you are going, you're to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a command. He says, go, therefore, go. Go and preach the gospel. Tell the people of the, of, the, of the good news of Jesus Christ. And what this means to me is, is as we're going about our way in our everyday life, as we're going to the supermarket, as we're going to school, as we're going to our workplace, as we're traveling to and from, we carry the gospel message with us. We carry God's word. We carry the love, the truth, the peace that God can bring through salvation through Jesus Christ. We have that. We've been given to us who have been born again, We carry that message with us, and it's alive, and we know what it can do. We know what being born again can do to a life. It'll change a life. It will take a life that was dead and make it alive. It's an act of God. It's an act of his Holy Spirit that we would be born again. It's my prayer, is in the Bible, that the perfect will of God is that all would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. All would come to saving grace. And it's my prayer that that would happen. But Jesus clearly tells us in in these verses to go. Go and make disciples, go and share Christ. But don't go on your own authority. Matthew says, all authority has been given to me, Jesus declares. And then he passes on that authority to us and gives us the authority to go and make disciples. This authority and the word power can be kind of interchanged. Notice we're not, re- re- we're not proceeding on our wants. We're not proceeding on our power. We're proceeding in the power of Jesus Christ that he's given to us, his authority. And when he says, go, therefore, because of this, because if I have the authority, you go. And I always equate this to the military. In the military, if you're working there and a private was to walk up to a group of men and said, you guys have to do this, yeah, yeah, right, they wouldn't move because the private said it. But if the private came in authority of the captain and said, Captain Suss and says we have to do this, well, then there's power behind that authority. There's power behind that message. We're walking and we're proceeding in the name of Jesus Christ, the most powerful thing I know more powerful than anything other thing in the world. His Word gives life. His Word created the earth. His Word created us. The power of His Word, and that's what we move out for. Mark says, you're called to go and preach. You're called to go and tell them, according to Mark, uh, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul writes a very interesting statement in his epistle to the Roman church. And again, I'll read it for you. You probably know the verses. Beginning in Romans 10, in verse 14... It says, and this is why we go. This is why we go and preach. He says, how can they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. For they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith then comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We have his promise to go and preach. They can't hear unless somebody tells them. They won't know unless somebody comes before them and explains the gospel message to them. You didn't know. You didn't accept until somebody explained the gospel, until you heard it explained to you. And it struck a chord in your heart. And you goes, yeah, that's what I want. And when it's put on your terms, when it's put on your commonality, you glean from it, and you took it. You took it. So we're sent by Jesus. We're sent out by him in his authority. We're sent to preach the good news. And then he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. We're to baptize. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit when we get to the Scripture, what we're following today. He declares that. And Mark declares, by Jesus' words in 17 and 18, that afterwards these signs are going to follow, and all these spiritual gifts will be seen. And he lists them for us to look at and to to think about. And finally, Matthew says, teaching them to observe all things. There's a teaching aspect of the Great Commission. We're to go, we're to preach, we're to baptize, and then we're to teach. That's when we make disciples. See, so many people want to have a notch on their belt and say, this person was saved, and I got to lead them to salvation. That's great, but then what are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with this person after you've told them about God's grace, after you've told about God's mercy, and they've accepted, now what? You're going to say, well, you're on your own. I'll go to the next guy and get the next person saved. always bothers me when I go to these great, great crusades. I love Greg Laurie. I love Billy Graham. And thousands upon thousands of people have come to faith because of these men's testimony of what God has done in their lives and the way they simply proclaim the gospel. But what happens to the thousands of people after they make a decision? How many of them fall away? It's like spreading the seed in the sower. When we throw in the seed out there of the word of God, where does it land? These people come forward, and they make a profession of faith. They make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, but what happens to their lives afterwards if they don't get connected to a Bible-teaching church, if they don't have someone who comes alongside them and says, well, this is what the Bible means, and this is what we're supposed to do, and shows them those things? See, that's all part of the Great Commission. It's all whole there. And I think we need every single part is just important, and we can't overlook a part. And sadly to say, churches have overlooked the last part in teaching people, to get them rooted and grounded in God's Word so that they become mature, so they become mature Christians, and then they can learn how to walk the Christian life. And guess what? Then they can teach somebody else. And they start to teach somebody else, and they start to spread the gospel, and they become disciples, and many, many more people become to Jesus Christ. And that's how it works. And that's what we look at. And I love the promise at the end of Matthew. He says, "'Teach the things that I've commanded you by Jesus.'" where are those things found? The Word of God. The things that were commanded by Jesus are found in the Word of God. So these are the things we're supposed to teach. And he says, you're not going out by yourself. You're not going out alone. You're going out under my authority. I'm sending you But lo, I am with you. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. What a great promise so we can always know that he's with us. So we're sent in his authority. We're sent to preach the gospel message. We're to baptize, and then we're to teach. And this is what the Great Commission is all about. Christ commands us to do this. But Jesus knew that we were powerless to take his command. He knew that we didn't have the power in and of our own flesh to do what he's called us to do. He knew the disciples couldn't be able to do that. He had spent three and a half years with them. He knows these bozos. He knows our hearts. He knows that as he's walking down the street after he's done mighty miracles, that as he's walking ahead of them, two of them are sitting there going, I'm greater than you are. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And they're walking down the street, and this is what they're they're concentrating on, who's greater than who. So he knows that we can't proceed on our own power. We're helpless. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I told you I would be with you, but I'm going to be with you in a new form. I'm going to be with you in a new way. I'm sending the third part of the Godhead down to earth and I'm going to make it so easy for you that the third part of the Godhead is going to dwell in you. You're going to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you. And then I'm going to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to give you power to do anything that I've commanded you to do. See, I've said this before from this forum. Jesus never calls you to do anything that he does not give you the power to accomplish. When he calls you into his service, I can guarantee he will give you the power to do what he called you to do. So many times we are helpless because he calls us into a service. And we go, I can't do that. Well, you're right. You can't. But he can. And he wants to. That's why he's called you. So he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father came upon them. And, you know, as we started the book of Acts, we read beautifully in Acts 1, verse 8, the key passage in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is built upon this one passage, Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and at the end of the earth. Here's the power that we've been waiting for. And this is what we've been studying for the past months now in chapter 10 of Acts. We see the Great Commission now in action. We see it actually happening before eyes. because you may be wondering, well, what does it look like? What does it look like? Well, for the past months, we've been studying chapter 10. We've been in it a while now. And that's why this message is entitled, The Great Commission in Action. We see Peter following the Great Commission. We know that he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that Peter was there when Jesus gave the command, go forth and make disciples. Peter heard it with his own ears. Peter was there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He preached that great sermon, and 3,000 people got saved. And then 2,000 got saved after that. And he preached before the Sanhedrin and all those things. And we've seen him. We've watched him. He's, He's relying on God. We read in Acts 10, verses 19 to 20, that Peter was actually sent to Cornelius' house by the Holy Spirit after his vision. After his vision, and he was contemplating on what his vision was, the Holy Spirit came to him and said, three men are coming. They're coming from Cornelius' house. I sent them. You go with them. And out of obedience... Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, followed these men, these Gentiles. God was making a new transition. He was making a whole new plan. He was making a whole new thing, and he went to Cornelius' house by the Holy Spirit. See, it's interesting that when Christ gave the Great Commission, he said, go into all the world. He said, go into all the world to preach. His plan was salvation that would include the Gentiles. And even in the Old Testament, it alludes to the Gentiles being saved. There are passages that allude to all nations. Specifically in when, when Abraham was called, as he was still Abram. The first promise in Genesis 12, in verse 3 says, and all the earth will be blessed through you. That's a promise to all the world, not just the Jews, the whole world. But, it, but it's interesting It's very interesting to me because when Jesus sent the disciples out the first time in Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6, he clearly said, only go to the lost sheep of Israel. Don't go to the Samaritans, and don't go to the Gentiles. He only sent them to the Jews first. But he knew Israel would reject him. He knew his plan wouldn't go forth, and he knew what he had to do and what was going to take place. So the Holy Spirit sent Peter to Cornelius' house. We saw that. What did Peter do once he got there? So Peter was sent. All right, that's the first part of the commission. What did Peter do when he got there? He preached. Peter's proclamation. We had it last week. He preached the word of God. He preached the word of God to these people, and he said, all who believe in the name of Jesus Christ will find remission of sins. They will find forgiveness. They will find pardon of sins. But something strange happened while Peter was talking to these guys. Something really interesting happened as Peter was speaking. The people who were with him, these Jews that followed him, and we found out that that there were men that went with him, they were amazed, they were astonished at what happened to these Gentile believers as Peter was talking. What happened to them was remarkable. Something happened in their heart while Peter was talking. The Word of God fell upon them and sliced their heart in two. It quickened their heart to the Word of God. It says in verse 44 of Acts, now we're in our study, in verse 44 of Acts it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Remember Romans 10, 17? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. They were ready. Remember the preparation that we talked about of Cornelius? They were ready to receive God's word. They were willing to receive God's word. They wanted God's word because Cornelius had said, this is the way to salvation yeah, that's what we want. We want salvation. And they were there, and they were ready to receive. And Peter gets in there, and he starts to speak these words. Now, we don't know when the Holy Spirit cut him off. Funny, Peter's used to being interrupted by God. Peter Peter had a habit of always being interrupted by God when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, God interrupted him when he said, you know, we should build three temples. This is my son. Oh, (laughs) you know. He was interrupted when, G- when he started to tell Jesus that he shouldn't go and be, be, uh, be crucified. He was interrupted there. He's interrupted several times. But the Holy Spirit interrupts Peter, falls upon these men, falls upon these people who are gathered. Their hearts are quickened to the truth of Jesus Christ and they believe right there on the spot. They believe because Peter is talking to them filled with the Holy Spirit. Their hearts are sliced open. Their hearts are carved open and God then pours his love into them, pours the spirit into them. I believe that their preparation had a big part in this. I believe that because they were prepared, this happened. Now, I told you that God works on both ends. We talked about that before, his providential hand. And if God quickens your heart to go talk to somebody, I believe that God is setting that person up to hear something from you. I told you the story, and I'll repeat it. It bears repeating about the guy who was driving the car one day. He was driving the car one day, and he heard the Lord said, this is crazy, he said, Go find a mailbox, stick your head in the mailbox, and yell, Jesus loves you. The guy says, What? The? Turn the radio a little louder. <laughs> he says, He said, I just keep hearing that over and over and over. Go find a mailbox, stick your head in it, and yell, Jesus loves you. And he's like, So he's driving the car, and he's hearing this and hearing this, and finally, he stopped the car. He got out of the car. He looked around to see if anybody was looking, went over to the mailbox, opened the mailbox, and goes, Okay, Lord, puts his head in there and goes, Jesus loves you. And it echoed all over the whole place. Turn around, jumped to the car and started the car, and all of a sudden this guy comes running the house and says, Oh, no. Oh, no. Here I did it. This guy's, um, I'm going to jail. I am going to jail. This guy runs out and just goes like this. He stops, rolls out of the room, and says, Did you just yell? He said, Yeah, I just yelled, Jesus loves you. He says, You don't understand. You don't understand. The guy was crying. He says, I'm in the bathroom standing on a stool. I have a rope over top of the banister, and I'm going to jump off and hang myself. And I cry out to the Lord, Lord, if you're real, tell me you're real. And the next thing I hear is, Jesus loves you. Tell me about this Jesus. The guy was born again right there on the spot. God makes a preparation on all hearts. God prepares you and sends you, and God prepares the people to whom you are being sent. He prepares their heart so that when you arrive, when you start to tell them, something happens in their heart and they're going, this is exactly what I was waiting for. This is exactly the truth that I needed. Thank you, Jesus. And bang! And you sit around and go, how did that happen? The Lord said, I did it. How do you think it happened? I went to a Billy Graham crusade the first first, time. The only Billy Graham crusade that ever was in Philadelphia. I think it was in the early 90s. And I went there. I was just saved. And Billy, Billy Graham gets up there and he, he speaks. I went to every single day and he got up there and he spoke. And it was so enlightening, so powerful. And all these people came forward, thousands upon thousands of people came forward and were born again. And I was standing there and I'd only been saved for a couple years and I was really curious. I was sitting next to my buddy and I said, I have a problem. He said, What's that? He said, What did he say? Because what he said was so simple. It was so, it wasn't this glorious, wonderful oratory that you would expect from Billy Graham. It was just the gospel message broken down that I could understand, that thee could understand, that somebody else could understand. It was so simple. But God had prepared the hearts of thousands upon thousands of people that when Billy spoke those words, God went in each heart, and they knew they had to accept Jesus Christ. That's how it works. And if you were to ask Billy Graham, how about all those thousands of people? Billy Graham was at how about our God? It's not about the thousands of people. It's about God. God was the one that does the mighty work. God was the one that told that guy, stick your head in a mailbox and yell. Yeah, okay. I've done some crazy things in my time. Wow. But people accompanied Peter, brethren, Jews, and they were astonished. They couldn't believe that was happening. They were amazed by what they saw, what they had witnessed. And remember this prejudice that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles at the time, this extreme prejudice They were extremely prejudiced towards the Gentiles. They called them dogs. They called them filth. They had to wash their hands. We went through the whole thing. They even heard Peter telling about the vision and about the food coming down and how he put it all together. And news would travel back to Jerusalem about this very event, and Peter would get in trouble for it or have to stand account for it, not trouble. But he would have some problems with this, as we see in chapter 11 when we get there. He has to explain some things, but it's all part of God's plan. All part of God's wisdom. But as in Mark's account of the Great Commission, these believers begin to speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit came upon them. These tongues are not evidence of the Holy Spirit; can be an evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just because they speak in tongues doesn't mean that doesn't prove that they were saved. Nowhere in Scripture does says you must speak in tongues in order to show you're saved. That's not there. I mean, if you want to talk about the gift of tongues to look at it, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It talks about the specificity of tongues, the interpretation, the order of which everything needs to be done, and that's where we get our scriptures from. But this is kind of like what happened at Pentecost. And when I was reading this, I'm like, wow, this is like a Gentile Pentecost. You know, it's it's like a Gentile Pentecost because they're receiving the Holy Spirit just as the Jews did that were gathered at the Feast of Pentecost. They're speaking in tongues just like the Jews did at Pentecost. And what are they doing? What are they saying? They're glorifying God. They're magnifying God. So many times, Somebody thinks they have the, a gift of tongues, that they'll stand up and they'll say something, and then the interpretation was, well, they're prophesying. Well, that's not the gift of tongues. You don't prophesy with the gift of tongues. It's to give glory and honor to God. Every gift gives glory and honor to God, and that's what we see happening here. You are a sure hope.
0: You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen. Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609 609- 884 5821. That phone number, once more, is 609 884 5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope.